Welcome back to 55 and Up to No Good. I'm your host, Carly. This week, we're having a really cool conversation with Cassandra Cotton. For those of you who have never heard her name, she is a assistant professor at ASU um, with a PhD in sociology. She's been part of some really exciting research. This week, she's here to talk about a new study that she's conducting about intimate and romantic relationships that we find after the age of 55. For those of you who are listening, this conversation, we talk a lot about sexual health and intimate relationships. And if that's something that you are not comfortable with, then this might not be the episode for you. For those who want to keep listening, I hope you enjoyed this podcast episode as much as we enjoyed making it. Thanks so much and enjoy. Um, Cassandra, welcome to 55 and Up to No Good, Leisure World's podcast. Um, for those who don't know you, um, you are an assistant professor at ASU. Um, with a PhD in sociology, and you're currently doing some research um, that the people of leisure world should be, should be, or can be really interested in. Um, I'll announce it a little bit, <laughs> and then we can talk about it together. Um, your newest study, for those who haven't seen the flyers in the communications office, is about love and dating in um, an older 55 plus relationships, correct? Yes, that's right. Um, before we dive into all of that excitement, do you want to talk a little bit about yourself, your background? Um, some previous things that you've done? Sure. So I'm originally from Canada, but I've been in here in Arizona and at ASU for the last six years. I got my PhD in sociology, like you said, at McGill University in Montreal. Funny enough, the research I've done previously is pretty different than what I'm working on now. So sometimes it surprises people. Um, the other area of research I work on has been on things like sexual health, motherhood, and family relationships in sub-Saharan Africa, and mostly in Kenya. Um, but now I've been working on this new area of my research focused on love, dating, and romantic relationships in later life. How do you end up there? I guess, is that a silly question? No, it's a question I get often. And so sometimes there are little threads people can kind of see between what I did before and what I do yeah. now. But, you know, when I moved to Phoenix, I knew I wanted to start some kind of research here. So I wanted to start shifting some of my research to the U.S. context. Uh, and something that really struck me and it's kind of neat about Arizona and about the Valley is that we have such a large population of people 55 and older. Yeah. Now, before I'd moved here, I'd really never seen so many communities that were like 55 plus. And so I thought that was really interesting. Um, and I guess I kind of planted a seed in my head about kind of the important role that older adults play in our community and how active this population is. And then shortly after I moved here, I started seeing headlines in the news coming out about rising rates of sexually transmitted infections among people 65 and up in Arizona. Some of your listeners might remember seeing these headlines <laughs> come out. And you know, this was really interesting to me, partly as someone who's done work on sexual health mm -hmm. in general, but also because we often kind of buy into the narrative that sex stops later in life. Uh -huh. you know, stop doing it. We don't want to talk about it but nothing tells us that people are having sex and yeah. then probably romantic relationships of some kind like rising STI rates. Um, and so that really kind of piqued my interest in thinking like, what does love and dating and romance look like at this stage? Like you said, this is a conversation that no one's having. I mean, I definitely wasn't having this conversation like with my grandparents, people probably not even with their parents. Oh, right. And it's, you know, we think it's uncomfortable sometimes huh. to have those conversations about sex in general, and especially about sex when we're starting to think about people yeah. like our grandparents or parents. 
you know, that's what's kind of neat about this is because as sociologists, we know a lot about what those things look like for people in the earlier stages mm -hmm. of the life course. So people in their 20s and their teens, we know a lot about how they meet people and fall in yeah. love and decide to live together or get married. But we haven't really paid a lot of attention to what those things might look like later in life. Mm -hmm. And we're missing something here because we know that a lot of people, 55 and older, find themselves single at some point. Yeah. Now, sometimes that's because of widowhood, unfortunately, but it's also because it's tying into what sociologists call gray divorce. So the rising divorce rates among people older than 50. So that's a pool of people who are single and who may want to start dating and start looking for romantic and sexual relationships. Gray divorce. That is such a like interesting term. So that is just being older, like hitting the ages where you're just done with each, not done with each other, but you decide to to separate after life together exactly uh, so what a like perfect term <laughs> you know like it is I'm curious what it is that you're finding doing these studies like your preliminary what what are people saying yeah so we're definitely still early in the research process but I do have a sense of some of the kind of neat things that we're finding that I can share with you um, something that's been really interesting to me are the different kinds of romantic relationships that people are looking for so of the people I've interviewed, a few people do want a serious long-term <laughs> romantic relationship. They'd like to get married. They'd like to live together. But most people I've talked to have expressed a desire for something more casual, someone to go to dinner with, to travel with, and to have some emotional and sexual intimacy with, but without the commitment of living together or getting married. Actually, a lot of people I've talked to have expressed an interest in what social scientists call living apart together. So it's this idea of a couple who is together, that's the together part, but they maintain their own separate households. And it seems like this is really appealing to the people I've talked to because it allows people to maintain their own independence and to maintain separate finances, which is something that's come up quite a bit in interviews. Do you think that um, this is so common just because people have, have done the marriage, they've done it, they've had it, and they just want to be their own person or they're comfortable in their own space now where they weren't when they were younger, maybe? I think so. That's something people have told me a lot about how dating and romantic relationships are really different now at this stage of life. They know themselves better. They know what they want better than they did when they were younger. They know that they're comfortable with who they are, mm -hmm. the life that they've built. And so I think that's been a really cool perspective to learn about. Yeah, to know that you really do get comfortable with yourself as you age. Like it's mm -hmm. just kind of enlightening. Do you think that relationships found later um, are healthier than the ones that you found earlier in life? That's a good question. And you know, I'm trying to think in my data what I'd have to kind of answer that. So I have interviewed some people who mm -hmm. have found a partner and healthier. For some, I think that's probably the case. Um, for people, for example, who had experienced divorce in the past, I think those experiences really taught them what they were looking for, what they couldn't accept in a partner, and brought them in. Some people have used the term kind of with eyes wide open. You know, there's no rose-colored glasses. They're aware of what the situation is. And so I think that has led a number of people to feel more comfortable about the decisions that they're making. What is like the most popular way that they're meeting each other? So that's what's kind of neat. Um, a lot of the people I've interviewed who have found a partner have said things to me like, well, it just happened. It was the friend of a friend, someone that they met um, in the hallway, you know, at church or in their <laughs> retirement community. 
Um, in some cases, it was people who had connected with um, spouses, their, their former spouse's friends after oh. their spouse had passed away. And so they had some relationship and some long-term connection. Other people who haven't yet found someone are definitely relying on a lot of the same kinds of dating techniques that we all know about. Mm -hmm. Things like online dating, for example, are really popular, but then they come with their own kind of yeah. share of concerns <laughs> and worries that people have about using those. Um, we kind of touched on how this isn't a very common conversation. Um, what would you say that that is the, the biggest benefit of doing this type of research? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, when I tell people that I'm doing this research, a lot of people initially kind of think it's a joke. And that's because when we talk about love and romance and sex in later life, it's, you know, we don't talk about it for the mm -hmm. most part. And when we do, it's kind of the punchline, you know, yeah. it's the joke scene in a sitcom. It's something for a laugh. And it is probably because it makes people uncomfortable to talk about these things. But we know that sex is a part of life. It mm -hmm. continues to be a part of many people's lives through the life course. And so talking about those kinds of relationships, whether they involve sexual intimacy or not, I think is really important. Yeah. I think that kind of bringing this into our broader conversation is important too, because we should be hearing from older adults mm -hmm. about their interests and their desires. And we should take those desires and interests seriously. Mm -hmm. um, so I kind of think this has the potential to open up lines of conversation, both among older adults as a group and among the people who support them and work with those communities. It helps us better understand what people want at that life stage when it comes to love and dating and romance. And especially because all of us age, all of us are going to be there at some point, you would think that we'd want to know. Exactly. And that's actually been something that I found really exciting about this. It's been really fun for me to talk to so many really active and vibrant and engaged individuals through this project and to learn about their experiences, good and bad. Yeah. But it kind of gives us all a sense of this is what life might be like. Yeah. Um, and that's what everyone wants to know. You know, everyone wants to know, like, what is aging like? Yet we don't have that conversation. We're not asking. So have you encountered any of our, our residents, anyone from Leisure World? I have. So I've actually interviewed several residents there at Leisure World. Um, you know, all of these 55 plus communities have really been a useful resource for me trying to tap into this group of people. Um, so I was really excited when people from Leisure World got in touch with me to participate. Uh, I'd really enjoyed hearing about their experiences kind of dating within the walls of the community. Um, this was something really cool to me, um, doing interviews both within Leisure World and within other 55 plus communities, because when I started this project, I imagined these as ideal dating pools. You know, it's a self-contained group of people all about the same age, maybe similar interests, lots of activities. Um, and what I've heard is that there are some good things about dating within the communities and some <laughs> not so good things. You know, people have said, like the nature of communities like Leisure World, there's so many activities. There's a lot of ways to naturally meet people who have things in common, who want to, you know, go to the pickleball court and play together. But then there's also the downside of like the gossip mill that might be running or if something doesn't, if a relationship doesn't last, that it can be uncomfortable to see people. So there's kind of like the goods and the bads that I've been able to hear about these kinds of communities. That would make so much sense. Um, it almost kind of sounds like you know, like his, they say history repeats itself. It's like a high school situation where like everybody knows you're dating someone from a different school or from your school. 
Absolutely. I've actually heard people use those kind of references. Like it's just like being back in the college dorms and everyone knowing my business. Mm -hmm. On the flip side, people have said that can be useful in terms of if you want to kind of feel out what a potential date is like, you can ask around to kind of find out the gossip ahead of time. That is funny. I definitely can see the people of Leisure World doing that. Um, (laughs) What would you say is one of the most shocking things that you've learned so far? No, I'm not sure I'd say it's the most shocking, but it might sound shocking to other people. Um, Something that I've talked a lot about, you know, the interviews are about dating and romance. So naturally the topic of sex comes up pretty Mm -hmm. often. Um, And I've been hearing a lot about how sex can be fun and enjoyable and pleasurable in all kinds of different ways in later life. So a lot of the people I've talked to have kind of spoken about what I'm calling expanding sexual horizons. Mm And I'm thinking about a more expansive definition of what sex is and what sexual intimacy can be versus what we might kind of think about generally. A lot of people have told me they feel greater freedom to enjoy sex at this stage of life. You know, for some people, it's that that self-knowledge, that comfort with yourself that we talked about. And it's also because pregnancy is typically not a concern anymore. Mm -hmm. So there's some kind of greater freedom and enjoyment there. But what's been interesting alongside this is that there isn't necessarily a lot of conversation about safer sex going on, um, even with my conversations with people, the conversations they've reported having with their own partners. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really neat to me because part of what got me interested in this work, like I said, were those headlines about those rising STI rates. So maybe not shocking per se, but really interesting to kind of think about what sex looks like over the life course. So liberating to know that like I'm in a stage in my life where I'm comfortable I know what I want I'm happy and like I get to explore all these things that maybe because of different situations like you haven't got the chance to um, mm-hmm. very very cool like the whole point of retirement you know like they're really exploring every aspect of their lives absolutely actually this kind of makes me think of the the name of the podcast right 55 <laughs> and up to no good a lot of people tell me that they are up to no good because it's the place in life the time in life that they can do things for themselves how would you say is the best the best way to go about having those conversations that's a good question and that's something i've been talking a lot with people about how do we have those conversations mm-hmm. because even you know when we said Socially, we kind of think of those things as uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. A lot of people think about it as uncomfortable, even between with, an, with a person they'd like to have as a partner. And what people have been telling me is that it's you got to just dive right in. Mm-hmm. Once you've decided that that's where you'd like the relationship to go, you have to have the conversation. Even if it's uncomfortable, even if it's awkward to ask those kinds of questions. So several people I've talked to have said, you know, like, Condoms are often not part of the conversation anymore, um, but that they've started thinking more about how could I ask for that to to be part of what we're doing? How can I make sure that this person is monogamous if that's what I'm also Mm -hmm. interested in? Um, But I don't have a good answer of how to have those conversations. (laughs) conversations. It seems like people aren't necessarily having them as much as maybe they should be. Would you say a lot of that comes with like just generational, like that wasn't a conversation they were having when they were younger? And so it's just carried over. People have specifically said this to me. You know, we weren't having those conversations Mm -hmm. back in the 60s, back in the 70s. Why would I have that conversation now? You know, it's so exciting to hear that like your life, like that they're happy that they're in relationships that they want to be in, that they're having healthy sex lives. Like that's um, an exciting thing for people to know and know that 
in the future, like I can also have that, like my life doesn't stop. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what people have really wanted to share this with me is to, to really kind of express that idea that sex is part of life all the way through to the end, if you want mm-hmm. it to be. What is your main goal with all of this information? In a perfect world, what, what is it that you want to do with it? Well, so as an academic, we like to publish our findings in academic journals to kind of contribute to the body of research on dating and love and sex among older adults. So I do plan to do that. But something that I think is really important is bringing this information back to the community. So I think this conversation can really kind of help us open up the lines of discussion when it comes to things like romance and sex with our 55 plus population here in the Phoenix area. So I think it's really important doing this kind of work. You know, I'm asking people to tell me really personal information about their lives. I think it's really important that I make it publicly available, both to the people who did participate, Mm -hmm. so the ones I've actually talked to one-on-one, but also to the wider population of people 55 and older and those that support them. So I'm planning to do a lot of what we're doing here today, sharing this information with anyone who's interested in joining the conversation. And for people who are listening who are interested in talking with you, um, what is their best route to go about doing that? So right now I've paused conducting one-on-one interviews for the project, but I am setting up what are called focus groups or group interviews. And that's where a group of people would come together to talk about their ideas about norms and perceptions about dating and love and romance. So any Leisure World resident who's interested in hearing more about the focus groups or in signing up, can contact me at couples.lab at asu.edu, or they can call me or text me at 602-688-2223. So we're hoping to run focus groups through the month of June to help us get better insight into what adults 55 plus are thinking about when it comes to romance and dating in later life. Um, What I'll point out is they do have to be 55 and older. They have to live in the Phoenix area. But beyond that, we're looking to speak with both men and women. We're interested in people who are single or who have met a partner at age 55 and older. And we're open to people of all sexual orientations. So we'd be delighted to hear from any Leisure World resident who wanted to give us their insight. Okay, we'll put um, your phone number, your email, everything in the bio for this podcast. Um, I just wanted to really like how excited I was to talk to you, especially with the podcast being called 55 and I'm still good, like the main premise is to have conversations like this and to to talk to people about what life really does look like at 55. Um, so I just want to say thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed getting to tell you about what we're doing. Yeah. And um, fingers crossed you get lots of people from Leisure World. <laughs> I hope so. It'll be exciting. You would. But yeah, thanks so much for having me. It's no problem. so much fun kind of getting to talk with people about it who, especially people who are working with folks within this age range, they're like, oh yeah, this is a really cool thing to talk about. It is, it is. It's it's a lot of fun. Um, thank you. Thanks so much. Have a good day. You too. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. If you listened and are interested in sharing your own personal relationship information, you can reach Cassandra Cotton at any of the phone numbers that she listed beforehand, or in this flyer, you'll find her email address and all of the specifics of who is eligible to be part of this study. Thanks again for listening, and we hope that you guys have a great day.